You are listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast, where we talk real life, answer hard questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today, we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose. Welcome to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast here with uh, myself, Lydia Miller, and my dad, Pastor Jeff, and we um, are here to talk about topics that we talk about on Sunday morning, and we're doing a little bit of a detour, kind of starting something new that we're going to do for the next little bit that I'm really excited about. We're taking a look at really theology in general, Um, what we believe about scripture, what we believe about God, what we Uh, hold to as a church and then really what that means for us. So we're going to take a look at some often hotly debated uh, theological questions, things that maybe different religions disagree on or hold different opinions of. Um, And we're just going to walk through those one by one, talking about um, the afterlife, talking about uh, the second coming of Jesus, talking about sin and good and evil and heaven and hell. Um, And today we are talking about really the foundation of all of it. We're talking about the Bible. Um, And I'm really excited for this one because I think uh, we don't always maybe recognize how important it is to understand why we cling so tightly to the Bible and why we can trust the Bible as much as we do. Um, But really everything that we do from the messages that we write to uh, what we believe to how we do ministry all stems from what we believe about Scripture. Yeah, it's a good point because Sunnybrook holds to that, to the authority of Scripture and that our responsibility in every area of ministry is to teach and to preach the Word of God. It's sort of our final authority. You know, some churches will have, hey, church tradition is up here along with Scripture. We say, no, listen, the final authority in life is understanding the Word of God and then applying that to every area of our lives. And we do it in every area of ministry. So you're right. I mean, if that's kind of our guidebook for our lives, we've got to come to a decision, you know, where we stand with regards to the Bible being the Word of God. Yep. And maybe that's something that you've never really considered before. Um, But obviously we read from Scripture every single Sunday. Our worship leaders, our songs are taken to Scripture, challenged against Scripture to make sure it goes along with what we believe in. So um, it's so important to ask the question, you know, how do we know that what uh, the Bible has to say is true? How do we know that what we are modeling our entire ministry, our entire church, all of our lives around, how do we know that the Bible is the word of God. So what would you say to that? How do we how do we know that? Why do we cling so tightly to yeah, it? Yeah, in its simplest forms, and I'll dive into this, is probably a long answer, but in its simplest form, I'd say there's incredible evidence, mm-hmm. overwhelming evidence that the Bible is the word of God. In fact, we've really used the same criteria with regards to the word of God that we use with any ancient piece of literature. And uh, literally, they take a look at it and put it under a microscope and say, well, how do we know that this is the original writing or because we don't have any of the originals of that day, how do we know that this copy is in agreement with the original? And that can be any piece of literature, Homer's Iliad, Gaelic Wars, whatever it is, ancient books that have been written. We put the same criteria with regards to the Word of God. And usually there's four criteria. The first criteria is this, how many manuscripts do you have that are close to the original? And again, overwhelming amount of them we have with regards to the Word of God. Uh, well over 5,000 that we would say, listen, this is very much a manuscript that's close to the original and all of those kinds of things. 
the second criteria usually we give to it is just simply, hey, hey do we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this uh, kind of does a faithful witness to what the originals were and how we spent time kind of deciphering these things? Uh, with regards to the care that was taken is another criteria that's often used. We know the Essenes, if you ever get a chance to go to the Qumran scrolls, again, you hate it when I talk about Israel. Uh, but one of the places, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and say it. The number of times you mentioned that you've been to Israel, it's a lot. It's up there. In, so you can start tallying on Sunday mornings yeah. if you want. I, I just love to see where Jesus walked on the face of the earth, and I love to talk about it. But if you get an opportunity to go and to see where the Qumran scrolls were actually found, it's just fascinating to see this group of people known as the Essenes and how the care that they gave to make sure that they took from the originals to the manuscripts that they made. They literally would count every letter, saying how many A's are on this page and how many A's are on this page, how many B's are on this page, how many B's are on this page. Mm -hmm. And if anything was out of line, they threw it away. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys literally gave themselves, devoted their lives uh, to sort of the copying of Scripture. So critical. Okay. And then the last issue with regards to literature, certainly we can hold to the Bible, is, you know, what kind of archaeological discoveries have we made that would align with Scripture? And again, it's just overwhelming. Uh, most scholars would say there's never been an archaeological find that did anything but confirm the authority of Scripture. Uh, let me just give you two of the most recent. Again, I recognize this is going to get a little bit boring, but you know, it's always talked about the Hittites in Scripture. Just recently, because they could never find any colony of Hittites, just recently have they actually found the colony where the Hittites lived. They unearthed that. The other thing that I thought was fascinating that happened in the last 30, 40 years is to find out that Solomon, Scripture talks about, actually had horses. They could never find any evidence of that until eventually they unearthed the community where Solomon had lived and they recognized that there were horses there as well. So there's all kinds of archaeological digs that have been done that just have given incredible affirmation of the Word of God. So, so one of the things you always want to do from an external perspective is take a look at the words. So there's certainly internal evidence. We'll talk about that in a minute. But sort of this external evidence that is used for any literature with regards to Scripture is how many manuscripts, how close were they to the originals, uh, what kind of care was taken, and then what archaeological discoveries have been made that either affirm or deny that. So those same criteria were given to Scripture, and overwhelmingly, uh, they just affirm the authority of Scripture. The second one we often use with regards to criteria is an internal evidence. And the internal evidence of Scripture usually are a couple of things that, that really speak to the volume of Scripture. Number one would be this, is that they were eyewitness authorities. Mm -hmm. So most of those who wrote Scripture were actually there. They mm -hmm. saw it. It's confirmed by people around them. They agreed with them. So there is sort of this eyewitness account. In fact, it was one of the criteria that was used. Later we'll talk about the canon. Mm -hmm. But this idea of whether or not they were included in the canon of Scripture was, was there an eyewitness account? Mm -hmm. Uh, the other thing is this that people often look at from an internal perspective with regards to Scripture is the incredible symmetry of Scripture. You don't often think about this, but literally from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, they point in the same direction. They point towards the coming of a Messiah. They point toward Jesus, whether you're looking toward Him or looking back. Uh, even the Quran and other Scriptures don't have the ability to say there was just this central theme and sometimes there's contradictions mm -hmm. in other uh, authorities in the world. But when it comes to the Word of God, we've really found that there's incredible symmetry to that. That's one thing that has always just blown my mind is, I mean, you can read through like the prophet Isaiah 
you know, being on the other side of the cross, we know how it all goes down. And it maybe doesn't hit us as much as it should, just how accurate it is when it talks about who Jesus is going to be, what he's going to endure. And this is hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. Very much so. I mean, think about the prophecies that were made in the Old Testament, you know, where Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, the fact that he would be born of a virgin. Mm -hmm. Eventually, even Zechariah tells us, hey, listen, one day he's going to ride a donkey into Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of those prophecies, it's incredible to see the prophecies of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But think about it for a moment. Most scholars say 40 different authors written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, and done over a course of 1,500 years, and yet all mm -hmm. have incredible agreement together. So uh, that in itself just tells you mm -hmm. the Bible yep. really is the truth of the Word of God. Yep. And from a personal perspective, I just say this. You know, every year, you've got to remind yourself, the Bible is the best-selling book mm -hmm. in the world. Every single year. Uh, remind yourself it was the first book that was ever given to the printing press. In fact, it was one of the reasons the printing press was created, so the Word of God could go out to the common man. Uh, remind yourself of the life change that has taken place. Millions of people that have come and trusted Christ because of the Word of God. There's just all kinds of personal evidence. And I'm convinced even if you read the teaching of Jesus, you're going to see he quotes the Old Testament. He speaks about characters in the Old Testament. He talks about prophecies. There's a sense in which he himself and his teaching confirmed Scripture to be the Word of God. I found as you kind of look at different religions and different ways that people handle Scripture, there are some that have a heavy lean towards the Old Testament and some that almost entirely discount the New Testament. And where do you think that kind of comes into play? Why is there this belief of the Old Testament? Then I would say for us, not that we struggle with the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is hard to wrap your mind around more so than the New Testament. So where's the the difference in understanding there. Yeah, I would say we side a little bit with the New Testament. I always say this, is that the New Testament gives greater insight to the Old Testament. It affirms it. Jesus yeah. talked about it. He said, listen, every jot and tittle, uh, referring to sort of the least or smallest letter and the least stroke of a pen, every single bit of that is going to be fulfilled. And obviously it has. But I think we've got to hold the two things in balance. I really do. I, I, I think we've got to give ourselves to the Old Testament and all that it teaches us, the way that it points us toward Christ. Uh, and obviously we're New Testament people. We're looking on this side of the cross. But I just think it gives greater clarity to understanding of what was going on in the Old Testament by sort of reading it through the lens of the New Testament. But always the focal point is Jesus, whether we're looking toward uh, the coming of the Messiah in Christ, or whether we're looking back and recognizing what he did on the cross. I just think the whole of Scripture has been, as Scripture says, God breathed literally out of the mouth of God to teach, to correct, to reproof, to train. Uh, it has incredible value for our lives. I feel like that changed how I read the Old Testament. I'm reading through it right now, and just that phrasing of read the Old Testament through the eyes of the New Testament. So filtering it through that first, I feel like, things make sense and click more when you read it kind of in that fashion. Yeah. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers out there from England, used to say, hey, listen, even if I'm in an Old Testament passage, I'm going to make a beeline for Jesus because mm -hmm. it's going to give greater insight mm -hmm. to that passage. And yep. I think that's good. Yep. So my, you know this, but my husband is a former Catholic. He uh, had his Catholic Bible out the other day. I was flipping through it. And I was like, there are books in here <laughs> that are not in our Bible. So what is the criteria for the Bible that we're so familiar with? Um, and why are there some out there that have more books than what we yeah. have? 
Yeah, more from an evangelical perspective, we would call it the canon of Scripture. Canon just, you know, this is a Latin phrase, it just means rule or measure, uh, kind of a faith and understanding. And there were some criteria that went into that. Obviously, you're going to recognize that Jesus affirmed the Scriptures. We're going to see it in Luke chapter 24, where he talks about the Psalms and the prophets. He says, listen, I've came to fulfill them. So he's given insight to the teaching of Moses, to the Psalms, to the prophets, and saying, uh, listen, that is the Word of God, and I've actually come to fulfill it. Uh, the Apostle Paul kind of gives clarity to that, too. He goes back to the Old Testament. He talks about Abraham and characters in the Old Testament. In fact, in one verse in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18, he uses an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage, and he sews them together, giving clarity and credibility to both the Old and the New Testament. But really, this idea of a canon or the idea of the difference of a Protestant Bible versus a Catholic Bible we usually use three criteria for that, or at least the early church did. The first criteria was just simply this, do they have the authority of an eyewitness? We talked about it a little bit. But this idea that somebody actually saw and heard. So if it wasn't kind of from an eyewitness or somebody very close to the event, usually some of these books were thrown out. Didn't mean that they didn't have some wisdom in it, didn't mean that maybe they were inspired by God, but it meant they didn't fit this criteria. The second criteria was just the teaching of truth. And again, just knowing through the centuries, especially the early centuries of the church, that they would affirm, hey, listen, we, we saw these events. We, we are living very close in terms of generations to these events, and we would agree these were truth. So there had to be an affirmation, at least from early Christians. And then the last one is just the idea of the church. So all of the councils that gathered together, they agreed again that this was truth and teaching and these were to be about a part of the canon again doesn't mean that others don't have some insight and understanding but that was the criteria that was used you know eyewitness account from the apostles this idea of the idea of truth found out by early christians and then the early church agreeing this mm -hmm. is the word of god mm -hmm. there's just such great comfort in I don't know, even just hearing the criteria and hearing just how strict they were in everything they did to make sure that what we have in our hands is the very Word of God. I think the more you studied it, mm -hmm. and again, we only have time to scratch the surface, mm -hmm. the more you'd be fascinated hmm. by it. The evidence is overwhelming that the Bible is the Word of God, and we can really trusted as a final authority in our lives. Love that. That's awesome. Well, we're going to pause there. Um, we're going to make this kind of just a two-parter because there is so much to unpack and talk about and really get into what the Bible can mean for you and in your everyday life and how to make that more a part of what you do. So join us next week and we'll continue our discussion on the Bible. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.